Hello and welcome to the Pondering Polymath podcast. My name is Zita Porter and today we're continuing this month's topic of writing. Specifically, today we're talking about journalism. A polymath is a person of wide-ranging knowledge or learning and this month I'm talking to multiple different types of writers so we can get a sense of different styles of writing and different ways that people go about creating their stories. When I was thinking about planning episodes for the month, I knew I wanted to do something about journalism, and I immediately thought of my friend from the University of South Carolina, Ward, who is a TV news reporter in Madison, Wisconsin. He's a really great storyteller, and he discusses some of the pieces that he's worked on in the interview today, and we're going to go ahead and get started with that, so I hope you guys enjoy. All right, welcome to the podcast. So glad you could be here today. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Zita. Yeah, of course. Can you go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit and tell me about what you're up to now, what you're working on? Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I'm up to a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> I'm currently working on a story about the metro uh, bus routes changing in Madison right now. So that's kind of what I'm up to now. <laughs> but anyway, my name is Ward Jealous. I'm a TV news reporter in Madison, Wisconsin right now. And I cover basically local news in the southern Wisconsin area, anywhere from the southern border with Illinois to about the mid-state area and then to the Mississippi and over towards Milwaukee. So a lot of southern Wisconsin. I just graduated from University of South Carolina, which is how I know you, back in May of 2021. It's been like literally today is a year since I started my job here in Madison. So you got a really good day. Uh, (laughs) So it's been one year I've been living here. I love Madison. I love journalism. But, you know, of course, every job comes with its ups and downs and it's been it's been good it's been good so far but you know one year down and another year to go and we'll see what happens after that I guess yeah well that's exciting congrats on your one year anniversary that's thanks and so do you know initially what made you interested in writing and did you kind of always know you wanted to do journalism or kind of how did everything start yeah well here's what's funny is that when I was in I guess I'd say when I was in high school I wasn't very good at like the writing and English and reading comprehension and that kind of stuff compared to like math and science where I was always very strong Mm -hmm. and everyone was always kind of like oh are you going to be a doctor like your dad like are you going to end up doing this and all that and I feel like there was something kind of subconscious in me that was kind of like pushing back on that like no I don't want to do this I want to do something different and from a very early age I had this real passion for public speaking and kind of getting details on stories and whatnot and kind of putting them together. I actually won my first award in storytelling when I was in second grade. So I've been a storyteller for a very long time. I I love storytelling. I I love journalism in particular. I've always loved journalism. And it's, it's hard to come by real quality journalism now. So I kind of find that as a as kind of a push off point for me in high school, especially during the time of the 2016 election and everything, seeing all the information and misinformation kind of thrown around and stuff that kind of really got me passionate about journalism in particular. But like I said, as far as writing goes, it took a little while to tweak that because I have not always been the best writer in the world, but I think I've definitely improved on it with, you know, lots of school and four years of college, but needless to say, I'm a pretty good, I'm a pretty good math guy too, but I I just hate math more than anything in the world and love writing and love journalism. So that's kind of what led me to where I am now. 
Yeah, that's that's an interesting background, but like especially since you're also good at math and science. So does, do you ever use any like the math and science in your job or is it really just I mean, you know, it's not there's this like running joke that like if you're in journalism that you just stay away from math. So like a lot of people in like the journalism school at USC, for example just we're not good math people right it's just like a thing it's a running joke that like if you're in journalism you're not good at math which i thought it was always really funny because i've always been strongest at math but like for example you know when you're getting your degree you don't you only have to take like stat 201 which is essentially like mean median and mode and that's about (laughs) it and so i always thought that that was super funny to me because i've been good at math but uh sometimes i would say sometimes we incorporate math into journalism it's mostly for data journalism and stuff like that compiling data over long terms and trends and stuff but it is very very elementary math it is not anything that would be like crazy calculus or anything like that like I don't even know who uses that in real life but it's not me (laughs) (laughs) yeah that makes sense I I mean I was an accounting major so everyone was like oh you do so much math and I'm like no I don't it's just addition (laughs) and subtraction like that is literally it (laughs) so definitely understand that and then can you walk me through the typical process of like coming up with a story idea to um, kind of getting it all together, all the data, and then writing oh it? Gosh. Yeah, well, there's a lot, and I do it every day. So, <laughs> well, first of all, I'm a nightside reporter. So typically I work from 2 p.m. to 11 p.m. And a lot of the news of the day is already kind of in motion at that point. So we, as, an, as a nightside reporter, I cover a lot of breaking news, harder news stories, as opposed to what you would cover in the morning, which is more lighter news you would see on like a morning show or something like that. So let's put that to the side for a second. So at 2 p.m. I go into work. Usually I have to come in early a lot too, but at 2 p.m. I'll go to work and between 2 and 2.30 is kind of my brainstorming period, making phone calls, kind of getting my story ideas straight for the day. Because at 2.30, the editorial meeting starts. And at that editorial meeting, Basically, we kind of lay out the plan for all of the evening shows. And at that editorial meeting, I will usually bring three story ideas. That's usually the minimum that you want to bring to an editorial meeting. Three story ideas for the day that could, I guess, practically turn that day. And that means that could make air at 10 o'clock because the 10 o'clock newscast is the one that I am usually on. So I come up with three story ideas. I pitch them, say why I think they're news to management and why I think they could turn today. Of the three, management picks one that they like, that they, you know, that they think I should pursue that day that can make a good lead story. And then I pursue that story idea. And what that means is I start making phone calls, more phone calls to people, trying to set up interviews with people and whatnot. It's a lot of work that goes into it. That's the hardest part, I'd say, is A, coming up with the story idea, and B, setting up the interviews and the things with these people. So usually you want to have at least two interviews in a story, right? Sometimes it doesn't work out like that and you might only get one, but you want to have at least two, even more if you can, because the more people, journalism is people. You want to hear from as many people as possible. So I try to set up interviews with people. I was actually doing that right before we hopped on the call. And once those interviews are kind of set up, then I grab my gear. I'm a one-man band, so I grab my camera, tripod, all my editing stuff. I take it with me. I grab a news car, go out, meet these people for interviews, and then I'm going to shoot the interview do the interview myself, interview those people on camera. And then 
I'll shoot what's called B-roll. I most people I feel like know what that is, but I'm like, let me explain a little bit. So yeah. in any in any news story, there's A-roll and there's B-roll. The A-roll is the interviews. The B-roll is essentially everything else. That's the shots of, you know, say I'm doing a story on the metro bus routes, right? That's the shots of the buses going by and the wheels on the ground and the people getting on the bus. Like that's the B-roll. So, you know, there's the interviews with the bus riders and then there's the B-roll of the buses. So I go and I shoot all of that stuff, gather those interviews, come back to the station after I'm done with it. And then once I'm back at the station, I'm going to upload that footage, those interviews, run it all through a transcription service, and then start writing. So then I'll start writing a story, an intro, a story itself that will last about a minute and 30 seconds with a tag for the anchors. I'll kind of compile all this information together, and then I'll send off that script to a manager. The manager then approves the script or makes changes and sends it back. And then once they approve that script, then I can go track, which is basically me going into a voice booth and reading the story, essentially. Then I take the track, put it into my editing software with all the clips, and then edit it all together into one beautiful piece myself. Like I say, it's one-man band. You do all of it yourself. Um, And once that happens, I send it off, and all of that has to be done before the 10 o'clock newscast. And then once the once the story is finally edited and sent over, I also have to write a web story and a smaller version of that story, which is something we would call a Vosat that'll air tomorrow morning. And I do that every single day. So this wow. happens every single day. So it's it's really, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of stress. It's consistently ranked one of the most stressful jobs in the country um, for good reason, because a lot of it is deadline pressure every single day. You're doing a lot of the work yourself. If the story doesn't air, it falls entirely on you. And it's a lot of pressure to put it all together. How I still do it, I don't know, (laughs) because it is a lot. So every time between that 2 p.m. and the 10 p.m. newscast, all of that is kind of happening. It's a lot of stuff behind the scenes. People don't really see a lot of back and forth, trying to convince people to be on television is another hard thing. Like calling people and being like, okay, would you want to do like a TV interview today? And (laughs) I tell people like most of my job is literally convincing strangers I've never met to be on television. And um, once that's done, the shooting, the editing, the writing, most people think that would be the hardest part. But honestly, the hardest part is coming up with the story idea and then convincing the people to be on television for your story. So that happens every single day and it can yeah. be a lot. And it's the reason a lot of people get burnt out and, you know, we're tired of journalism after a while, but you like storytelling and you like, you know, you like what you do. Eventually you see a future in it and you can kind of uh, put it together. And journalism is also so important. Like people mm-hmm. like don't realize how important, especially local news is because especially over the past few years as local news has kind of been dwindling off and a lot of, there've been a lot of cuts in newsrooms across the country. A lot of local stories really ones that impact people don't get told because there just aren't as many bodies, but it's really important. Journalism is really important. Unfortunately, there's not a lot of money there and a lot of jobs get cut and you end up having a lot of one man bands like me, which can be difficult, but I like it. I like what I do and it's tough, but it's it's rewarding sometimes yeah yeah definitely and i i guess it would be difficult to try to convince someone like if someone called me today and they were like 
we want you on television like tonight i would be a little bit like oh, i don't know you pick up a few tricks of the trade once you go on you know <laughs> but it usually catches a lot of people are caught off guard and will either say no or will point you to someone else who may or may not respond or they may not respond at all and it's just it's that's the hardest part honestly is setting up the interviews convincing people to be on television and coming up with those ideas that could logically turn in a single day. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That is that is cool though, especially just getting it all together. Like, I guess that's like, you really get to see the results of your work since it's coming together all in a few hours and then you get to see it on air, so. Yeah, if you have time <laughs> to see it on air. Sometimes you're live in the field and you just don't even know what it looked like and you're just like, all right, well, time to go back now. Yeah. Kind of at the end of the day, it all kind of ends and you're like, well, do it again tomorrow. <laughs> and that's, yeah, so that's a lot of times how the job works. Yeah. I mean, that definitely makes sense too with people getting burnt out. And like, I was on the Daily Gamecock for like a semester and people were like getting burnt out there. So I can't imagine like how yeah. it is like in the real world with that as well. But do you have any fun memories that you have from like interviewing people or getting a story like just right? Oh my gosh. I mean, there's so many. Uh, there's lots of fun memories. There's lots of bad memories. There's lots of <laughs> uh, stressful memories. Ah, uh, fun memory. Do we want to focus on, I guess, my current job or like past jobs or yeah, anything? anything like writing related? Yeah, you can do like anything that comes to mind. Okay. Well, I just recently, the only thing, the reason I'm thinking of this is because this is literally the last long form piece I put together. But I just recently did this really cool story about this abandoned mine shaft. So really cool story about this. I was covering, there's, this is a long story. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is, I'm trying to like condense this all. Well, I was covering a different story on February 22nd, 2022. And I remember it because it was a Tuesday and mm -hmm. it was 2 And not only was the date really weird, but exactly 100 years before 2222 on 1922, Wisconsin had this really historic ice storm. And what was even weirder about this was that exactly 100 years later, we had another ice storm. It wasn't as severe as the past one that was 100 years ago, but it was it was notable. It was like kind of weird. Like, you know, we don't get a whole lot of ice here in Wisconsin. It's usually snow. So when it happens, it's kind of rare. And so it was weird that it happened exactly 100 years from this historic ice storm. But while I was doing that story, I was talking to this local historical society who was documenting this and was actually planning a presentation 100 years later on this. And it just happened to be on the same day as this other ice storm. So I was talking to this guy from this historical society. And as I was talking to him, I was telling him, like, oh, I'm a big history nerd. Like, I love history stories like this, where you can kind of look back at the old pictures and compare and whatnot. I love stories like that. Yeah. And I told him, I was like, if there's any other stories here, because they work for the historical society, that you're thinking that I might be interested in, like, totally send them my way and everything. And he was like, well, there's this one story I think you might be interested in. I don't know. I think it's pretty cool. And I was like, okay, well, what is it? And he was like, well, let me pull up some YouTube video of it. Turns out, there's this abandoned mine shaft, which is in the middle of this rural county in Wisconsin. But the really weird story about this abandoned mine shaft, it's been abandoned for over 100 years, is how it was discovered. So this is, there isn't much historical record of this mine shaft. It was abandoned at some point. Nobody really knows why. And then it was kind of lost in time for over 100 years. No one really knew where it was. 
because once the mining industry ended in the early 1900s, the area was just kind of, you know, abandoned and left to the Wisconsin countryside. Trees grew and like all this stuff, and it was just kind of lost. So fast forward 100 years to about 2015, I want to say, this elderly couple in Wisconsin in this place called Sauk County, so it's rural, it's pretty rural Wisconsin, they decide that they are going to, they're looking for a spot of land to park their camper, to make their own little campsite. So they find this random one acre plot of land in the middle of rural Wisconsin. They buy this acre of land and they camp their camper there. They make it a campsite. They live there for five years. And then one day this woman comes up and this is the middle of nowhere, right? Comes up to their campsite when they're there and the guy is cutting the grass and she's like, would there happen to be like a, a mine on your land? And this guy was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, would there be a mine shaft, like like a mine shaft on your land somewhere? And he was like, I don't think so, but there is this weird pond back here. So he walks over to the pond with this woman. Turns out this woman is a maritime archaeologist. She's a historian. And sure enough, the abandoned mine shaft was sitting on their plot of land underneath this pond that had flooded. And they had been there for five years without a clue that they wow. had literally owned a mine shaft. So the woman who was the historian was like, yep, that's the mine. And she actually found it by looking at old photographs of the area over a hundred years ago of mine shafts and whatnot, and using, getting her bearing straight, using landmarks in the area to kind of get her bearing straight, figure out that this mine shaft likely sat on this one acre plot of land that this random couple just happened to buy one time and had lived there for five years and didn't know. And since then, the couple has been very cooperative with them in the historical society. They've been bringing in outside divers and whatnot to go into the mine and kind of explore it and try to figure out how exactly it was abandoned in the first place. Because like I said, there wasn't much historical record of it. And so the footage down there, A, is amazing, right? Because you have this, like, it looks like something out of a movie. Like, it's yeah. the divers going down into this, like, 100-foot mine shaft, like, Everything in the mine looks like it was left completely in place. It looks like the miners just left one day and left everything. There's like a mine cart on the tracks and a pickaxe inside. It looks like Minecraft, really. <laughs> and it was it's just an, an amazing story, but they're able to piece, some of these historians and divers are able to piece together some of the evidence underground under, in this flooded mine shaft to kind of figure out why it was abandoned. Uh, groundwater was always a big issue there. And so they had to have these pumps inside to like pump the water out, right? And next to the pumps inside the mine shaft, there's like an open toolbox and some springs and stuff that it kind of looks like maybe the pump failed and the water was rushing in and like they just had, they had to, to get out. Yeah. So it's really cool. A hundred years later, this group of people has kind of been um, has kind of been uncovering the past of this abandoned mine shaft and the footage. Like I said, is just amazing. But that's definitely one of the cool stories I worked on recently. And it just kind of fell in my lap too. We're the only ones to get it because when I was talking to that random guy about the ice storm, he was like, yeah, well, there's this cool mine shaft you might want to do. And yeah. yeah, it was just really cool. I mean, like the divers were, who were going down had like, I mean, they're like shipwreck divers. Like they work with like Titanic and like Lusitania and like all of these famous shipwrecks and stuff. And now they're in like this random Wisconsin person's yard, like diving into an old mine shaft. Just like really cool. You'd never, you'd never know it was a mine shaft if you were just looking at it. It's this little pond. Yeah. Um, but once you go in, it's like, oh, this whole world opens <laughs> up. It's amazing. Yeah, that's really cool. I think like especially how you were able to just get that off of a different story and then mm-hmm, had this yeah. entire world to explore. Yeah, that's so cool. 
And what is something that you either learned about yourself or about writing, about journalism from just your time in the field? Oh, that's tough. There's lots of things. (laughs) (laughs) Well, one thing, I mean, it's just like, I know lots of tips and things. It's a hard question. Well, first of all, it's, you learn a lot about condensing and telling stories in a short period of time. As a nightside reporter, I get the least amount of time usually as, as any other reporter to tell a story. And that's usually about a minute and 25 seconds. So for example, take a story I did. I did a story last night that I've been following pretty, you know, religiously since I've been here, where there's this building that is downtown in Madison. And it's been here for over 50 years now. But it's building owners at this building for years were told that it needed the base of this building needed to be repaired, it needed to be fixed. There's tons of reports and stuff about this, right? Detailing all of this different, this history of deterioration in the building and neglect that were just ignored by building owners. One day the building starts shaking, okay? And the people inside are like, oh my gosh, like, what the heck's going on? So the city immediately evacuates it. And all these records kind of get pulled up where it's like, the building owners hired these independent contractors and stuff to come in and kind of look at this. And they told them like, you need to fix this because it is a risk of structural failure. And especially after what happened in Florida this past summer with the apartment buildings collapsing, this kind of generated a lot of talk here in town. But not only that, it's like all of these tenants in the building are now without a place to go. And so there's lots of people. There's a restaurant at the bottom that has a lease that ends in 2045. And the building owners are now trying to tear the whole thing down because they don't want to pay for the repairs. And there's like all of this back and forth that's been going on. Uh, The building has been shut down three different times over the past year, once for the structural concerns and then two other times because they failed to submit reports to the city that showed they were maintaining the building's safety and actually just closed again yesterday. So the tenants inside have been in this back and forth in and out of this building and there's history of records and all this stuff and then take all that information that i just told you in like three minutes and then put that into a minute and 25 seconds and it's very difficult (laughs) so a lot of it is set up a lot of it is kind of finesse and everything but one of the really difficult things i found about writing for television is really condensing everything into a really short period of time but then still being able to tell an emotional story that's impactful and will keep people's attention and people won't get confused or lose details or something so That's kind of been a hard thing for me to figure out is really letting the people tell the story and also condensing your own writing down to as short as possible so that I can fit in this short time slot every day. Yeah, that makes sense. And I'm sure, especially like to give context to the story, like tell the story you're telling and then Mm -hmm. like what's next. That's just all. Yeah, that must be difficult. Yeah, it's it's diff- it's definitely different. And the reason I used yesterday's story as an example is because it seems like I've done six stories on this building already. And every time I feel like I have to explain all of the things that led up to this point for people who may not know. And every time I do the story, it's like condensing more and more information into this like short period of time. And so that can be tricky. Sometimes I'll get a little bit of a stretch. I'll get to go like 130 or like 135 on a good day if it's really light. But like usually, I mean, it's pretty stick to 125 and you need to get it in on that time. If you don't, you have to like beg the producer of your show, like, can I please get some extra time to tell this like really complex story? And it's just, it's a lot. 
that is definitely an interesting part that I did not think about. So that's very cool. Yeah. And <laughs> lastly, is there any advice you have for someone that is looking to get involved in journalism that might be listening to this podcast? Oh gosh. Well, depending on the type <laughs> of journalism, first of all, don't expect money. <laughs> at first. There is money in the field eventually if you stick around for a little while, but you're really going to struggle for the first couple of years. It is not a high paying job. I could probably make more money anywhere in Madison, Wisconsin. And I mean, anywhere, I mean, like pick a place and I could probably make more money doing anything else than what I'm doing right now. And that's probably a really tough thing is you really have to kind of learn to get by with little money and high stress. So the first couple of years are the hardest for journalists starting out. It is really, really difficult to handle the stress of the job, the deadline pressure every single day. And then at the end of the day, you get paid nothing to do it, right? And people are going to run into that burnout quickly. It's really kind of getting into a schedule, kind of a routine of figuring out what's going to work, what doesn't, and getting over that hump of, I'm probably not going to make money right away. And then, you know, seeing if it works or not. A a lot of people get into the business and usually you're on two-year contracts. You're kind of stuck for two years. If I wanted to leave right now, I'd have to pay an an absurd amount of money to get out of my contract because it's a legal contract. So a lot of people feel stuck. And after two years burnout, they leave the business. It happens a lot. I would say of all people that get into the business, probably half leave after their first job. Okay. It's really a weed out kind of business. I mean, and that's why people call it the business. (laughs) Um, But I mean, they they really know, they really weed you out after a couple of years. And if you're not passionate about storytelling, if you really want to do it just because you want to see your face on television, or you want your name on the byline, or you want that credit, that will happen. You will get that joy for the first week, I would say. (laughs) And then after a week, you're going to be like, this is my life now. (laughs) So it's kind of like, it's kind of weird. You kind of, for those people who want to get into it for that reason, do not do it. I can tell you, you are going to make way more money doing way easier jobs in other places and you will not hate yourself for doing it. Um, There are sometimes I go into work and I do not want to go into work that day. I'm very like, I just don't want to do this. It's another day of stress, another day of deadline pressure. I don't know what news is happening today. It happens all the time, especially when you start in these smaller markets and don't pay a lot of money. There isn't a whole lot of news going on. It's going to be really creative. So if you're not a creative person, you're not willing to adapt to that really tough, tough couple of years that you're going to go through. I would say just kind of stay away. But on the other hand, if you are one of those people and you have the tenacity and you think that you can make it through those couple years, it gets better. So after the first couple years, usually you'll get promoted. You'll move on to a bigger market with more money. You'll have to do less work because, you know, you might get a photographer to come with you and shoot your stuff or edit your stuff for you. But it's a lot of work that people don't fully understand until they get into the business. It's what I would like to compare it to would be like, imagine if you were in college and every single day you had to do a video project and it was due hard deadline eight hours after you started. That's really tough for a lot of people. And you have to do it all yourself. You have to go 
film it. You have to put it together. You have to do editing. You have to get it approved by your teacher or whatever, the script, and then sometimes do revisions and whatnot. And you have to do it in eight hours every single day for two years. It can be a lot for people. And so I think people just really don't understand the amount of work that goes into it and the amount of stress that if you're really not passionate about it, don't do it. I, one of the one of my favorite quotes is no one thinks they want to go to law school, right? <laughs> they know they want to go to law school, right? Because law school is a lot of work. It's the same thing in journalism I would give people advice for is you don't think you want to be a journalist, right? You want to be a journalist. You you need to be a journalist. You want to storytell for a living. If that's not why you're getting into it, it's probably not best for you. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. I mean, personally, I've never wanted to be a journalist, but I think you explained (laughs) it. A lot of people don't. Yeah, (laughs) I think you've explained it really well. And I think those people that are maybe interested that are listening to this podcast have definitely gotten a good look at your day-to-day life and can yeah. see if, uh, if it's something Feel free to reach out too if you want to reach out to me and ask for advice or you think you if you think you might want to get into the business please give me a call but I, I I'm always available to give advice for anybody who needs it I guess. Yeah definitely and I'll I'll put any information that you want me to in the show notes where people can find you if they want to read some of your stories and everything like that so. Yeah cool. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it, Ward. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me on, Zita. Hoping that I offered some insight into this crazy life that I live. Yes, (laughs) yes. No, this has been great. I've learned a lot for sure. Yeah, all right. Well, that interview definitely gave great insight into what it's like to be a journalist, especially in those first few years in your first job in journalism. I can confidently say that I don't think I personally will ever become a journalist, but it is cool to hear the behind the scenes of what you see on the news on your TV screens if you watch the news every day. And I definitely have more respect for the people who put together those news stories and film and edit and write every single day, especially with those low starting salaries. But I'm going to have Ward's links in the episode description and in those show notes. So definitely feel free to check that out. And as he said, reach out to him if you have any questions or need any other advice. But that's going to wrap it up for today's episode. As always, make sure to like, rate, subscribe, follow whatever you can do on whatever platform you're listening on because it really does help me out and I appreciate every one of you especially if you've made it this far into the episode but that does wrap it up and I hope you guys have a great rest of your week and I will see you soon for another episode of writing month bye